So before I begin my homily, um, this has been a whirlwind weekend. Um, it's been a great weekend and very long. Uh, so first, I, I'd like to thank everyone uh, for your prayers and your support over the last four years. They, they, they were definitely felt and they were definitely needed. Also, I'd uh, give special thanks to Deacon Steve for yesterday. Uh, when he vested me with the stole, I knew it was, it was, it was real. Um, and it, it was such a privilege and an honor to have him and, and another fellow uh, deacon, Kevin Murin, over at Resurrection uh, to put my stole in, in Dalmatic on. Uh, so thank you, Deacon Steve. It, it was a special, special time. So this past summer, the staff from St. Francis went on an overnight retreat at Damascus. This was to help everyone to start focusing on the new school year, as well as getting together as a staff to pray and worship our Lord. There were small group talks, activities to get to know each other better, and there was minute-to-win-it games to help break the ice. And I have to brag a little bit because I won the cotton ball game with, with a lot of style and grace. But during one of the games, I was talking with our main speaker, Dan Demite, asking him what he was going to talk about. But he told me it was based on the parable of the 10 virgins. The look on my face probably gave away how I felt. I was curious how he was going to approach the talk since this parable is not one of the easiest. Well, he, his talk did a good, wonderful job of relating his message back to the parable. It gave me a lot to think about and I took lots of notes. So after he finished, we came together as a group for an hour of adoration and, and reconciliation. And Father Dave did benediction. And then we all gathered around the fire pit to hang out and, and just enjoy each other's company for the evening. But during the evening, we shared our thoughts on, on that day's events. On my turn, I reflected on what I got out of Dan's talk. And I was, as I was finishing, I told the group, it, in jest, mind you, that someday you may even hear a homily on that parable. So a few weeks later, I was talking with Father Dave to decide the arrangements for this weekend's uh, uh, ordination and masses. And he told me that I'd have all the, hom the homily and be preaching at all three masses. So in preparation, I, I looked up the readings for this 32nd Sunday of ordinary time. And lo and behold, the gospel reading was the parable of the 10 virgins. And I literally looked up in God and said, really? <laughs> On my first masses. So here we are. So before I get in, into the readings, uh, let me share a brief history of myself and how I arrived here today. So I was born in Alliance, Ohio and lived in a small farm community. Growing up, going to church was never a priority, but I did always go once a year for VBS. So my parents, they're loving, caring people, and they had their struggles, especially raising uh, five children. So unfortunately, my parents divorced when I was around 10 or 11 years old. But over the next year, uh, both mom and dad remarried. This brought on new challenges, especially since both of their spouses had children. This brought the total number of children to 11. So over the years, we all grew to love each other, and to this day, we still do. Uh, there's no way anyone who knew me back then would guess that one day I would be called to be a deacon in the Catholic Church. But God does not call the equipped. I am living proof he can work miracles with just about anything. So as a teenager, I was, I was a little wild. 
My friends and I would go out on the weekends and we would indulge in a few favorite beverages. My teen years would see me get busted for driving without a license and, and drinking in a park. Fortunately, I did graduate high school. After graduating, I decided to join the Air Force. This would turn out to be one of the best decisions I ever made. So after basic training in San Antonio and tech school in Denver, I was stationed at Eglin Air Force Base in, in Destin, Florida. This is where I met my wife, Maggie. We met in a nightclub of all places. So I asked my friend to ask her to dance with me, and she said yes, and we became good friends. Our friend, friendship grew deeper, and then we eventually started dating, and we'd eventually get married also. Maggie was raised Catholic, but had strayed from the church, so we had a mail order minister, which was the local sheriff, uh, marry us in the middle of the courtyard where we rented a townhouse. So we were eventually stationed in Guam, and then went back to Florida when Maggie's mother, Mary, was diagnosed with liver cancer. Mary was a devout Catholic and enjoyed taking our son, Anthony, to Mass. She always tried to get us to attend Mass, but we would only go out of obligation on Christmas Eve. Now remember, I'm, I wasn't Catholic at that point, so when we went to Mass on Christmas Eve, I would be, I'd be the one that would give up my seat at, in the pew and go stand in the back to make myself look good. And then, but really, my sacrifice was only so I could escape early to go pick up the pizza. So this is the Christmas that Mary also bought everyone a t-shirt with different scriptures on it. Mine had a picture of an eagle and Psalm 91. I looked at Maggie and I asked her, what is a Psalm? So this is not the only time I showed my superior knowledge of the faith or even religion in general. Another time, we were playing Family Feud on the Nintendo 64 with Anne, her sister. The question was, give another name for clergy. Well, I beat them both to the buzzer, was excited about it, and I entered my answer. They both started busting out in laughter as I typed in the word lawyer. I got the big red X. So, as you can tell, I was not well versed in religion. Maggie's mother, Mary, entered her eternal reward on August 15, 1995. Little did I know that Mary had offered all of her suffering for the conversion of her children and their spouses. I guess that included me also. So eventually, Maggie and I moved to the Dayton area. It is here where I ended up in an RCIA class with a very stubborn German priest who had a huge influence on my conversion. I found out later that he told Maggie if she wanted me to be Catholic, she had to keep her mouth shut, go to mass and let him do the rest. She asked him, then what can I do? And he gave her a novena to St. Joseph. She prayed that novena for almost two years. So imagine her surprise when on the feast of St. Joseph in 2000, I got up from the dinner table and told her I was heading out to check out Father's RCIA class. So I was welcomed into the Catholic Church in April of 2001 and chose St. Joseph as my patron. Our family relocated to Newark and started attending St. Francis. Over the next seven to eight years, I became incredibly involved with different ministries of the church. I was on parish council, serving mass, 
helping with our RCIA, to just to name a few. My wife would, would tease that some women chased her husband down a local bar. She only had to come to the church to find me. Serving others, serving the Catholic Church, and especially serving the poor became an important part of my life. Maggie and I went on to have a whole house full of children. So I first felt the call to be a deacon when our oldest, Anthony, was in the seminary. He was home for the summer, and we were sitting outside by, by a fire at the rectory with another seminarian, now a priest, Stephen Smith. I asked him, so what about this deacon thing? Both of them immediately responded, you would make a great one. So I went to talk to our pastor at the time, Father Bob Penhollerick, who helped me with discerning if I was called to the diaconate or not. Maggie and I discussed it since it would involve her sacrificing also. And I asked God to guide me and help me in this discernment process. In 2012, I completed the six prerequisite courses and applied to become an aspirant in the next formation class. For reasons out of my control, I did not get selected to move on as an aspirant. It was disappointing, but I never lost faith and, and I continued to serve the church in whatever capacity I was needed. So in 2016, Bishop Campbell saw me at Resurrection Church for the annual scout day with the bishop. It was here that he told me out of the blue, I'd like to see you in the next class, Eric. So I submitted my application for the next class of deacon candidates and was so selected to enter in the aspirancy period. This is, this is the, the time, come on. This is the time for discernment and also the psychological testing for each aspirant and his wife. So that December, I received my letter from Bishop Campbell calling me into candidacy. It was the most humbling experience in my life that God was calling me to possibly enter into holy orders. So over the next three years, 10 men would be studying and discerning the, whole, the call to holy orders. Our schedule was pretty full. And you must remember that we all still have full-time jobs and families. A brief snapshot of our schedule. Three semesters per year, two classes per semester over 12 weeks on every other Saturday. Also, we have formation weekends four times a year and a retreat in the summer. The last two years, we are assigned to an internship parish. Mine was Church of the Resurrection, a beautiful parish. There we serve and observe how they run their church compared to our home parish. When starting the candidacy formation, it seems like ordination is so long away since you have see three years and 18 classes ahead of you. It, it went very quickly. Formation takes sacrifice. And not just on my part, but my whole family as well. They had to do activities without me on Saturdays or when I had other obligations. Attending mass with my family was a special occasion that I enjoyed once a month. It is definitely a family commitment. I get asked how I find the time to do the things I do. With the grace of God and help by the Holy Spirit, I find the time to do what I love to do, and that is serve our Lord and shine my light as bright as I can. So over the last three years, we have been busy preparing ourselves spiritually to be called to holy orders. And we hear that today in the gospel about being prepared for when the bridegroom, our Lord, returns for his bride, the church, 
and the wedding party, his people. We are in a time of waiting, waiting for the coming of Christ. We are reminded to be ready, to be prepared, to live every day as if it were the day before we meet Jesus, our Lord, our Creator, and our Judge. We are being told to take all his lessons, all his teaching, and apply it in our everyday lives. We must prepare ourselves not by acquiring material things, but by preparing ourselves spiritually to ensure that we will join our Lord at his wedding banquet in heaven. The parable includes two common symbols that are used throughout the Bible, the lamp and the oil. The lamp remind us, reminds us that we must be the light of the world. We are not to hide our light, but to let it shine. Let it shine for others to help to, help, to lead others and to help them to find their way. The oil symbolizes our internal character. It represents our faith, our personal virtue, and our personal condition of readiness and preparedness. Because death often arrives unexpectedly, we must never become lax in our faith. We need to spend our time wisely to make sure we do the necessary preparations for, for when we meet the Lord. Sometimes we can be like the foolish virgins by not using the time wisely for our spiritual preparation. So how do we prepare ourselves? First is prayer. Prayer is our way of staying connected to our Lord. We must find time in our daily life to pray. We should never be too busy to talk to our Lord. So in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit because without me, you can do nothing. Also at this very minute, we are praying the most perfect form of prayer, which is the mass. In a few minutes, we will receive the body of Christ in Holy Communion. Regularly receiving Holy Communion helps us to foster a more intimate relationship with the bridegroom. Another way to prepare ourselves is through knowledge. We gain knowledge through studying. We need to spend time using the resources that are available to us. We need to read the Bible, study the catechism, and participate in the sacraments. We can join Bible study groups, faith formation groups, or even spend time with our Lord in adoration. Growing in faith requires us to delve into all the resources available to us to help us grow closer to Christ and deepen our faith. We must also do good works. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Well, through acts of charity and showing generosity, generosity and compassion toward others, especially the poor and the homeless, we are accumulating these heavenly treasures. We know Jesus identified himself with the poor when he said, whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers that you do unto me. Through our loving service to the poor and homeless, we will be closer to being prepared for his return. So these are, these are some of the ways we can generously invest our time. Through prayer, gaining knowledge, and good works. This is the oil that will keep our lamp of faith burning bright until the day we meet the bridegroom, ready to enter his eternal wedding feast.
So what does a deacon do? Uh, deacon Eric and I thought uh, it would be good to briefly go over with you what he'll be doing um, in his first year of the diaconate. One of the parts is that he'll be working closely with me as he He's learned a lot of the theology, he's had practicums and some experiences, um, but a lot of this will be, of um, being a deacon will be new to him, so um, we'll be meeting pretty regularly uh, just uh, for his ongoing formation and preparation and, um, and just, uh, you know, kind of easing him into things. Um, but along those lines, he has uh, a lot of things that he'll be doing. Uh, he'll be on a couple different teams. Um, one of them, of course, is joining the staff. He'll also be with me on the senior leadership team. It's a group of eight people now, being nine with him, that um, um, I consult with and, and talk with all throughout every week. And we also meet once a week in order to help uh, run the parish. Um, he will also be on the leadership team for our men's ministry, something that's new for us, um, a men's leadership team. It's called Vanguard. He was already on the liturgy committee and deeply involved in all aspects of the liturgy, getting ready to become a deacon, so he'll remain on the liturgy committee. Um, he will assist with all of the sacramental rites, um, and then he will preach on, with, uh, on a, a rotating basis with me, um, so we'll create some sort of schedule with him. He will assist at uh, the weekend uh, masses, and then he will also do things like Holy Week. He will do Stations of the Cross. You know how monthly we have a Eucharistic Adoration service on Thursday evening, so he and I will be on a rotating basis for that. The same goes with baptisms. He'll be able to do baptisms, and we have a good number of them here, so he will help out with them. Um, there'll be some uh, months where he'll do it and some months where I will do it. Again, we'll create a schedule for that. Uh, he's able to witness weddings um, when they're outside of a Mass. They're called wedding ceremonies, and we do have um, some of those here, so um, he'll work with uh, couples uh, to prepare them also for marriage. He spent about a year or so with me uh, learning how to do that already, so he'll share that, um, that responsibility with me and then will be a member of our larger marriage preparation team. And the same goes with our uh, funeral um, team. He'll be a member of that. He'll do um, the vigil services along with the other deacons in this area. That's the service that comes the night before a funeral. There's three parts of funerals. And um, so the deacons in the Glickin County area, they all take the vigil service the night before at the, at the, um, uh, the funeral uh, home. And then um, when there are funerals that are outside of the Mass, and sometimes we do those, for instance, we'll do a funeral at uh, a funeral home or a committal service at the graveside, he's able to do all of those. So that will be a great help to me because we have uh, 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 almost uh, 40 funerals a year here. Uh, he will also um, spend about the next year uh, being in all the meetings with me for annulments, um, learning how to do those when people go through the pains of, um, of, of a divorce. It's one thing to know the theology, it's another thing to be with people and just to love them and walk them through that process. Uh, he's got a great heart, um, he just needs to learn that process. 
Um, he's already deeply involved with our outreach to the poor when we created a new program, a new ministry called Catholic Outreach Ministries. Uh, he was there at the beginning uh, with us creating it, and he's their spiritual director, um, involved with every aspect of it. And then he also is deeply involved with one of those aspects, and that's uh, where we go out on golf cart um, and around the cities, there are homeless camps. So he and some of our parishioners are constantly, every week, sometimes multiple times a week, in the homeless camps, uh, praying with them, um, giving them food, clothing, um, uh, you know, working to get them into homes, um, uh, temporary shelters. And then in the last year, we've been able to get um, some of our homeless around our city into more permanent um, housing also. So he's very much involved with that. That's in addition to being married and having a large family um, and working 40 hours a week. Uh, so uh, he's a, somewhat of a superman and um, a cr I'm, pr I'm proud to call you a good friend and looking forward to uh, being in ministry with you here at, uh, at, at St. Francis de Sales. So again, uh, welcome. And uh, you've got uh, quite a, a load of ministry here and uh, we're, we're proud of you and uh, we look forward to being in ministry with you.